Welcome to High Gluttony. Hello, Gluttonyers. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And it has been so fucking hot. So we're making ice cream, sort of, kind of. Gretchen will explain more about this later. So technically, we're making Fleur de Lay, which is kind of like ice cream. Are you confused? Me too. So G's going to break all of this down for us throughout this whole episode. But we are using a recipe from David Leibowitz from the book, The Perfect Scoop. So Gretchen's been making this recipe for a long time and introduced me to it last summer. She does prefer a slightly different ratio than the recipe calls for. So we are using that recipe, but we're also adjusting it to our expert mad Gretchenist specifications. I just disagree with his dairy proportions. That's all. That's all. It's a, it's a mild disagreement and may also be contributed to by the fact that I like the cream top style of milk. I think maybe my milk starts at a higher fat content. I'm also using a pretty heavy fat, creamy whole milk. So we'll be on the same page. It's been quite a week. Oh my God. So we're obviously both enjoying some cannabis and a drink. I'm using some flour and a pipe and it's the last OG. It's got 26% THC and then caryophylline, lemonine, and myrcene. What are you enjoying, Gretchen? So I'm enjoying some pre-rolled joints from Circles. So there's Circle brand pre-rolled joints of uh, lemon Z sativa. This is really a pretty nice one. I like, I'm, a, I'm at that little bit lower THC level that seems to suit me with the 18%. My terpene profile. Nice. I like that. My terpene profile. <laughs> oh, have we not been saying that all along? I thought it was something we'd already said before. So <laughs> look at me being brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Keep it coming. All right. So yes, the uh, terpene profile for my <laughs> lemon Z is caryophylline. Cumuline, lemonine, myrcene, and pinene. Percentages unknown. <laughs> Fun to see that humulene peak in there. Yes. We don't see that very often. I, I seem to like it. It's working out okay today. <laughs> and I'm not stumbling over my words like I was last time. So that's nice. <laughs> or having whole conversations inside of my head without having them on the outside of my head as well. It okay. was a ride. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> Are you drinking anything today while we're talking and cooking? Talking I, and icing? Talking and icing. <laughs> I mean, there's there's cooking then icing. I'm having a Porto Tonico with Dow's White Ports, my favorite. Delicious. And you are enjoying? Classic gin and orange juice, and I can't stop singing, sipping on gin and juice, laid <laughs> back. So that's just running through my head this whole time. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Find us at highgluttony.com, Instagram, Facebook, and help us spread the gluttony message by liking, subscribing, and telling a friend about us. Thanks for joining us. Let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it and just let me talk for the next <laughs> half an hour about what? Ice cream. Woohoo! We are on the journey of ice cream, which apparently is a very daunting topic <laughs> as Pointed out by one of my, well, really one of the only food podcasts I listened to, Save or Pod. They uh, had a whole episode on gelato this week, which was incredibly helpful as far as research goes for getting into this 
this whole fleur de lay ice cream and tangent gelato. There will be a little gelato talk, but not a lot. (laughs) So I'm buckled in. I'm ready to go on this discovery journey with you. We're going to learn all about ice cream styles. First, we'll go through a brief overview. Well, first, very first, we'll have some fast facts. Then we will discuss ice cream styles and where, what the differences are. That'll bring us into the, the whole history of being able to freeze ice cream and how and why that can happen and what salt has to do with it because can't get away from salt. It's fucking everywhere. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> the new Thank cut. Anaheim pepper. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Anaheim pepper. <laughs> We worship at the altar of food, and therefore Anaheim pepper is our god pepper. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Fast facts. Fast facts. (laughs) Super fast ice cream facts. In the 13th century, they already knew about how salt affected freezing, so they were already using that as a substance. I didn't, Harold McGee and on food and cooking didn't specify what that meant. He just said that from there, it made it to Italy. And so in the early 1600s, you found mentions of fruit ices and things along that line. But first time that ice cream as a phrase itself was actually used was in English language writings in 1672. At some point, the French actually developed something they called ice butter or... Yes, please. Glace, glace au beurre which had 20 egg yolks in it. So I can't even imagine what the texture on that would be like. It would be sliceable. I would think (laughs) a lot of fucking egg yolks. So that butter is not just a reference to the creaminess of it or something. It's (laughs) going to be the fattiest shit you've ever eaten. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) And by the time the American Revolution started to happen, they had figured out in France that if you stir the your frozen, your ice cream mixture, that it gets less crystalline. So this is where you see sort of the first iterations of those trying to move it around and, and break the ice structure a little bit. But we'll get into that just a smidge later. <laughs> That's all ice cream, right? Just general fast facts about what we're calling collectively ice cream. Right, which is really any frozen confectionery type thing. And then you said you were going to talk us through some of the differences now. Right. Fleur de lay is its own thing because it is thickened by cornstarch. You don't find a lot of recipes for anything else of the ice cream variety that are thickened with the grain. That's not a common thing. So this is another one of those episodes that we've done before and have decided to redo. The first time we did it, we did an actual comparison of making ice cream versus making the fleur de lay where we made the ice cream, which our thickening agent for that was eggs. And for this, we've got our cornstarch. So we did much more direct comparison, but this time we were like, well, I'm not messing around with that egg type shit. Like we just, we really, I love this fleur de lay recipe because it makes such an easy frozen treat without having to worry about curdling or breaking your mixture. So it sounds like so far the major difference though is eggs versus cornstarch, which is what we're doing today. Right. And there's a third style, which doesn't use any thickener, which is Philadelphia style. 
Now, those are typically made with all heavy cream, not a combination of heavy cream and milk. It would automatically have that thicker, fuller mouthfeel because it's all, it's got all the fat, you know? (laughs) And then to, to round this out, gelato is the custard, is the custard with eggs, but it's not spun in the ice cream machine as much, which incorporates less air, which leaves you with a denser product. What's soft serve? Is that different? It's a, it is a little bit different. Mostly it's served at a slightly lower temperature. Sorry, higher, slightly higher temperature. <laughs> a typical ice cream is stored at negative 12 degrees or lower in, on food and cooking. They said the optimal storage temperature is actually 18 degrees below zero, but saucer is at most negative six degrees below zero. Interesting how I know that's a big difference, but it doesn't feel like a big difference, but the texture of soft serve is so unique. So that's like, it's like slightly meltier, but it's still very frozen. (laughs) This is kind of a, a good segue into the next part portion about freezing and air content and all that, since that's the primary difference there. Before you do that, could you talk us through just kind of an overview of the ingredients used in each of these? Are they all the same and the only difference is egg or cornstarch? But could you just tell us what is a common ratio for ice cream and what are common ingredients? Most recipes I've seen and this is a very, very basic generalization based on the recipes I've looked in like the last 24 hours. So not a huge <laughs> sampling, just to let to say that. To end up with a quart of ice cream base, you're going to have three cups of dairy, three quarters of a cup of sugar, a bit of salt, and some heavy cream. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. That's part of your dairy. I was putting the milk and the cream together because it just different ratios of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because for the thick, the, the tiles that have thickener in them. So your French ice cream and the fleur de lay that we're making with that's being thickened by the cornstarch, you're using a combination of milk and cream. And the, the usual ratio is two to one. So two cups of milk to one cup of cream. Then for Phyllis, Philadelphia style ice cream, that's going to be a hundred percent. So three straight cups of heavy cream. <laughs> Gelato probably is somewhere in between those two ratios. So that might be like one and a half cups of milk to one and a half cups of cream. So it's kind of a half and half situation, if you will. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's such a bad joke. I have to take a drink now. Hold on. (laughs) So pretty much they all have a very consistent baseline of some version of whole milk and heavy cream, sugar, a little bit of salt, and then you're either adding eggs or cornstarch or more heavy cream Yeah, <laughs> if you're in Philadelphia. So with all of those ingredients as the baseline that we understand now, do you always heat the ingredients before you freeze them? Yes. Okay. For the ones with where you have a thickening agent, you have to activate your thickening agents that you have to on that and that front. But also if you're not using a thickening agent, you still need to heat it to, in order to make sure that the sugar dissolves completely and integrates fully with your 
your cream. Okay, got it. So in order to activate your thickening agent, you have to do some version of heating the ingredients. And then what is additionally important is this next step of freezing it or not before you freeze it is adding air to the mixing, right? After you've heated it, you then do what? Well, you have to chill it down because don't, don't, don't just throw it into an ice cream maker while it's hot. Like, oh, that would be bad. And even better if you can let it sit overnight, but you can also quick chill it just to make sure that it's cold. So if you put it over an ice bath and stir it, you can get to your freezing step much faster than if you just stick it in the fridge. And then freezing is super important or how it's frozen. Why don't you tell your story of making ice cream at camp? Why I even asked if you have to heat it is because I have this memory of going to Mormon camp, which I attended for five summers with my best friend who I grew up with. So I had this vague memory of putting cream and sugar into a big coffee tins. And then I don't remember exactly how it would happen. I feel like we'd like pour salt around it and then wrap it in something and then just kick it back and forth to each other for a couple hours. And then we would just eat ice cream right out of the thing. I mean, I'm sure we poured it in little cups individually, but we would have it immediately. In order to get to the point where we've been able to make ice cream, the discovery of how salt helps lower the temperature of ice was a really important discovery. So yeah, somewhere along the line, they figured out you sprinkle salt on ice, the resulting slush is actually colder than ice itself and actually cold enough to freeze a sweetened liquid, I guess is really what you would say, any sweet, really sweetened liquid into an ice cream-like substance. That being able to get the ice to be actually colder than freezing is absolutely essential because you have to get that the temperature lower than actual freezing because of the fact that there's sugar in there now and that lowers the freezing point. There's a lot of science to it that I'm not quite a hundred percent sure how to explain. I'm a little confused. I'm going to try to repeat back what I think and you can correct me as I go. Sugar brings up, lowers the temperature. Yes. Yeah. So it lowers the freezing point which is, yes, lowering the temperature that is required to make something into a solid block. So this is where I should be bringing in my, if you put, just put cream in the freezer, Mm -hmm. it turns into a solid block. You can't, you could maybe gnaw on the edges of it if you pulled it out of the carton, but like you wouldn't be able to eat it. Is that because of the fat? Well, that's the water. So that's, this all has to do with the water. Okay. In anything. So all of these ingredients, the liquid ingredients have water. And so the sugar is interacting with that water? Correct. So the the sugar helps sort of block some of the water molecules so that they can't form as long, like form together as long chains. So they can't solidify. Right. It has to do with the crystal, the crystallization of the water. The way I understand it. It's shortening the crystals. It's making the crystals small. As the water freezes. As the water freezes. Okay. So that it's not I, as solid. Got it. So it gets in the way. I don't know basketball, but it's a, a blocker. What are those people called? <laughs> don't look at me. I know a point guard about sports. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So it kind of gets in the way and says like, no, I'm not going to let you 
become this big block. Right. It's Antifa. So, <laughs> it, <laughs> okay. All right. I guess if we have to go political with every explanation on this podcast. Sugar and water work together. The sugar helps it with not being so crystallized. So it's not as like icy of a texture. And then the salt does what again? So the, so the salt is sort of the, it's a, an external chemical re- chemical reaction. Yes. So it affects the temperature of the ice that you're using to freeze the ice cream. All right. So both salt and the sugar react with the water in your liquids and in some cases in your ice. Yes. And then the combo of those when like spun together creates this balance Mm -hmm. of getting your mixture to the right cold temperature while not allowing it to become just like, what were those icy things called? Icies? The flavor pops or? Yeah. Otter pops? Otter pops, like an otter pop. Mm -hmm. So it stops it becoming an otter pop. (laughs) Did I understand that? Yes. Good job, us. (laughs) We finally explained it to each other. Yay. (laughs) Sorry if no one else understands. I get it. I hope you're with us now. And so I can't explain this any differently. I don't know. No, that's great. So then a couple of other things that change then are the, like we said, the combination of your heavy cream or your whole milk or some version of thickening agent and then what about the air that you were talking about as a different in, as a difference in some of the different styles? So when we were talking about soft serve before, another component of that is they basically always have a churning and that's just keeping a steady supply of air in there so that it's, all, it's just soft all the time and delicious and melty and God, I want a soft serve cone. So the, the other term for like air added to ice cream is called overrun. And it does have to do with the churning process. You and I have KitchenAid mixers that we are we have the, the ice cream freezer attachment. A really nice thing about the, the KitchenAid mixer is being able to control the speed. If you mix your stuff by slower speed for maybe a little bit longer time, you won't end up with as light of an ice cream. It'll be a denser ice cream. Lower right. speed, long, sorry, lower speed, longer time, denser ice cream. And maybe not even a longer time. I'm not sure about the timing on that. Lower speed equals denser because you're not letting as much air in. Right. The rotations are fewer. So it's akin to making whipped cream. (laughs) (laughs) If you were trying to make whipped cream and just mix it really slowly, you would never get there. Nothing's going to happen. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen. Like every time I've tried to make whipped cream by hand, you mean? Yeah, like exactly like that. Since I tend to like my ice cream a little bit more towards like the soft serve side, I love to incorporate a lot of air into mine. So I tend to like to whip mine on a pretty high speed. A, you get a you get a bit more volume. So I guess I need to like stop asking myself why sometimes I end up with less and sometimes more because I need to pay attention to how much how high my speed is on my my mixing. But I do like a softer ice cream. So now I know that I do want to aim for that higher speed because then I'll get that more air mixed in, which will also make your ice cream melt at a little bit lower temperature just because that air is air and warms up faster than solid matter. 
Oh, that made me so excited to eat our ice cream. Oh my God. Our floor delay. I mean, it is going to be very, very good. So we, we've covered pretty much everything. I think at this point, as far as uh, freezing and ice cream goes, all the things you think we need to know before we jump in. I sure as shit hope so. If I've forgotten <laughs> anything, I'm not going to remember it now. Right. Too late. <laughs> I think I have a pretty good understanding now, understanding now of the differences and the process. Should we jump into making our own floor delay? Probably. I think it's time. Here we go. I will read the ingredients. This is Gretchen's version, again, of the David Leibovitz recipe. So we're using two and a half cups of whole milk, three-fourths cup of sugar, a pinch of salt, three tablespoons of cornstarch, and a half a cup of heavy cream. And we talked about cornstarch playing a role in the difference between the styles, But how does it work here? We've talked a lot about egg yolks and how they work and the fact that it's protein. So this works a little bit differently in that the cornstarch particles suck in the liquid and therefore create like a gel almost. And that's the thickening you get from most plant type things of this nature. (laughs) Grains. I am confused. The particles in corn help it bind. Sort of like it gets sucked into it. You ever made like tapioca or something like that before? I hate tapioca. (laughs) You're not alone. Many people do. I was just wondering because I was like, that seems like the closest thing like that I could give you to something you could see because what it does is it absorbs liquid. Okay. Because whereas like the, with, Egg yolks, they make like a a net sort of, you know, and keep things in place like that. This is sort of like how liquid kind of absorbs into a cotton ball. Okay, that's helpful. That it just grows a little. Yeah. Okay, cool. How do how does cornstarch exist? What is so here, that? This is how corn starch from corn is extracted. So thus how it's produced, I guess. Or exists <laughs> in my work. <laughs> exists comes into being (laughs) what anaheim pepper created this (laughs) cornstarch what anaheim pepper's name are you talking about thank anaheim pepper (laughs) okay cornstarch is cornstarch is (laughs) so they take the corn and they soak that for the other this says specifically steeped but for 30 to 48 hours and allows it to ferment slightly. Then they- the, Steeped in water? Steeped would, in- That's what I would assume. It, was, it would just be water. The germ is separated from the endosperm and those two components are ground separately. After they've ah. been soaked and fermenting slightly. Right. But the starch is separated from the, the, liqu- the water that comes out of that soaking process. So that's where the starch actually comes from. The water that's you, that water that has been steeped in the corn, mm-hmm. much like pasta water used as a thickening right. agent. Yes. And then, so how does that become the powder I have in front of me? So they use centrifuges to separate out. Oh, I see. Yes. I see. Okay. And, and then they probably do a little bit of like a, they'd probably have some sort of dryer. They, I imagine they'd send it through as well to dry it further out into powder, but, but you it. know, 
that's pretty much, um, is that enough information on cornstarch? And I think so. So then I guess it's time to make it. I guess so. Let me uh, tell you what we're going to do first and foremost, and then we're going to do it. And hopefully it'll take about five minutes to get through this (laughs) whole thing once we actually get started. So we're going to mix the milk and the sugar and salt all together over low heat. And then we are going to mix together our cornstarch and heavy cream. But you have to do this in a specific order. Otherwise, it won't work very well. So you have to go liquid into dry. We're going to start with our cornstarch in the bowl. And then we're going to pour our heavy cream into it, mixing them together until they're completely combined. Then we're going to take that liquid cornstarch heavy cream concoction, add it to our milk that's been warming. Then we can crank up the heat just a little bit and let it cook, come to a boil and let it cook for two minutes, then turn it off and chill it down. And then once it's cold, you can put it in your ice cream freezer. And ta-da! So quick. First, we heat up milk, sugar, salt. Then we separately combine our heavy cream into our cornstarch and then combine those, bring it to a boil. And then it goes into the ice cream maker to mix for about how long? You said, did you say after it chills down? You have to chill it first. Yeah, after it chills down. Very important. I already forgot <laughs> yeah. that step. I was like, I wasn't sure if maybe your internet bleeped out right over like you saying it, chill, chilling it down or something. <laughs> like, did I miss that? Okay. Nope, that's why I'm repeating it because I want to make sure I get this right as we go because I know it'll go fast. <laughs> Yes, that's true. We, we've we've had that failure before where something goes too fast and I can't explain it as we go through. So completely cool down. Then it goes into the ice cream maker and we have frozen our bowls in advance. That's important for keeping the mixture from warming again, right? As it mixes. So the way your ice cream maker works, basically it's a, a liquid that they put in there that freezes at exactly the right temperature to make ice cream. So it's like a self-contained salt and ice combo that you. Oh, so the, so you freeze it, not because mixing it heats it. You freeze it because as you're mixing it, it's turning into the ice cream. Exactly. Yes. Very cool. So our bowls are just lined with this magical chemical that perfectly (laughs) freezes our mixture. Yes. Exactly. Science and magic. I love it. (laughs) Just science. Science and magic makes food. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely makes my gluttony food. Yes, it does. First step, put our sauce pot on warm. Yep. Add our ingredients. So they heat up with the pan, the milk, sugar, and salt. Yep. All right. And again, that's two and a half cups of whole milk, according to Gretchen's preference. (laughs) and three-fourths cup of sugar. Are you using granulated caramel? No, I'm using white sugar. I went for the authentic uh, recipe this time. Same. I also don't know if I ran out of granulated caramel or I just lost the container, but I haven't come across it in a while. (laughs) Whoops. Whoops. Pinch of salt. And so then the salt in this case inside the recipe itself is just to highlight the sweetness. That's how salt works in these moments or? Yes, exactly. Yes, you understand that. I am learning. You are learning. So I've got are mine you, kind you... of on medium heat right now. 
Sorry. Oh, okay. Are you using a whisk at this point or a spoon or <laughs> spatula? I just used a spoon, a wooden spoon. Okay. I've added my heavy cream to my cornstarch. And I got kind of, so I had, I put first the cornstarch into this bowl and then I poured the heavy cream into it slowly. So it's like a little bit at a time. Okay. And did you use, what did you use to mix it? I just used a spoon. Okay. And I am going to use a whisk for the next part. On the stove top? On the stove top. Okay. So it's, and and the reason for that is that You've got all those little parts to break things up and distribute them much more quickly than a spoon will break it apart. I see. Even though it's a liquid, but still. Yeah, my, my fat globules have now melted into lovely patches of butter on top of my pan of milk here. I'm still mixing my cornstarch and heavy cream. Okay. Got a little, few tiny clumps. I'm going to proceed. Okay. So that means bringing it to a boil? Well, whisking it into the milk first and then bringing it to a boil. Just added mine. So I didn't even turn my temperature up at all because it was pretty much already boiled, like pretty close to a boil. And I've just been stirring with a wooden spoon now this whole time. And it is come, it is simmering here. So All right. My oven, my stovetop always takes so long to heat up, as we know. So I'm just slowly stirring. Okay, one minute down. Ooh, gotta turn it down some more. Okay. You might want to be pretty aggressive once it gets to a boil on the turning it down because otherwise mine was about I should have used my slightly larger pan for this. I see. It's about to make a mess, but since I'm standing here, it's it's good. I'm all the way on to low. Crisis averted. Oh. And that's two minutes. Mine's just starting to steam a bit. I'm always just running running so far ahead of you. I know. It's our electric stove or gas stove. Talk about science and magic. Science and magic. Well, I'm going to get an ice bath together so that I can chill mine down. Will you pour it into a separate bowl and then put that in the ice bath? Yes. Okay. So I am just going to agitate this over the ice bath to cool it down a little bit quicker too. And I have to be delicate because I put too much water and ice in the bottom. Am I looking for this to thicken or... How yes. much is it supposed to thicken? A thick sauce consistency. Like an like Alfredo? My, yes. Alfredo or slightly too far Alfredo. Got it. Mm, I am hungry. <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I going to eat? We had this fava bean gnocchi last night with a little bit of daikon radish. And I, I think we're going to make it again tonight because we only used half the gnocchi we had. And then... We used all the fava beans, but today the guy gave us a whole other thing of fava beans. And so we were like, ah. well, I guess we're doing that again. I've got zucchini, zucchini, and more zucchini. Mm. What are you going to do with all your zucchini? So Tamara had sent me a recipe for like a pan and potato and zucchini, like dough galette type thing. Mm. Like in a pastry kind of thing? No, just cooked in the pan, like. More like a like gratin a- sort of sort of style. Okay. And so I want to try that. And I have some potatoes I really need to use. So that might be my dinner tonight because I think I can make that pretty quick. Yeah. And then I do like a good, just like zucchini, raw zu- I like raw zucchini. I've had like really good like lemon dressed salads with zucchini in it. 
and like yum like raw yeah i really like it and then like pecorino romano Mm. cheese with that would be really good yum might make that too because it is good too if it sits overnight (laughs) in the dressing that sounds really good we had a bunch of sunburst squash Mm -hmm. this week and just I was thinking about how we cooked the salmon and the steak last weekend yeah and so I started them off really low heat with no oil and let a bunch of like the moisture get out and then turned it up a little bit, added a little bit of oil and salt and it, and then just like kind of turned off the heat and it was so good. Oh, nice. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I am so proud of me and you and us and all the learning. All right. This has been boiling and I've been mixing and now I'm going to turn it off heat because I've got my Alfredo sauce going. Wow. Uh, Mine's pretty well I'll cool down to basically room temperature. <laughs> Yours is almost chilled and mine's just now hot enough. <laughs> That's the, the benefit of the ice bath. Just make sure you stir it fairly frequently while it's chilling. Okay. I'm assuming you remember last time it kind of gets like a, it's a bit of a weird texture <laughs> after it sits yeah. overnight if you don't stir it like the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I forget what I was going to say. Shit. Um, <laughs> It gets a weird texture if you don't stir it while you're cooling it down. Oh, right. The, it sort of like solidifies more on the top than the bottom. Oh. You'd observe that. Maybe it's that was one of the other times. Maybe you didn't have to suffer through that because probably I told you you needed to stir it a lot. Probably. You are always looking out for future Becca. I know. It, it's interesting. So I listened to, I listened to this other podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, you're so well podcasted, Gretchen. I'm always listening to more podcasts. That's my new, you're so well read. You're so well podcasted. (laughs) You are sourcing your information from so many places. Yes. What a diverse source of truth you're getting. Lots of truthiness. (laughs) And you were saying you were listening to another podcast? Oh, so Lewis Lewis Black's rant cast. And somebody (laughs) had written in about recipes. So this person was trying to make challah bread. They found out like recently that part of it is like each piece of the braid you have to kind of ferment on its own. And then you can kind of, when you braid it that way, when you braid it all together, it will have more of a braided appearance. As opposed to like the top layer just kind of looks braided, but everything else is a big mush underneath. Right. Okay. Wait, why were we talking about this? Oh, the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Somebody called in. Yeah. So (laughs) they were complaining about how recipes were written and things like that. Same. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, this person. She was like, I don't need need to know how you feel about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Just tell me if water's in there or not. Right. Well, I'm glad other people share our grievances, even though they're not even grievances. They're just preferences. I'm still chilling mine down. Gretchen, yours is already completely chilled, right? Or it was at room temperature the last I heard. It's getting there. I might put it, pop it in the fridge for a little while and freeze it a little bit later. But uh, yes, it's working its way down to being very cold as well. Then I guess this is where we'll leave our gluttoners for now. And then if you just hang out a few more seconds, you'll hear our final thoughts and how the Florida delay came out for both of us. And if I actually get to make a uh, pistachio Florida delay, 
today. We'll see how that right. goes. Right. My additional experiment that has so far already gone off the rails in that somehow the pistachio soaked up all the liquid. So now I have to add more liquid to try and get my initial liquid to come out of the nuts and cook that and see where that goes. <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. A whole thing. Were the pistachios working kind of like the cornstarch in this yes. case? Yes. Aha! I, ha-ha. Another connection. Ta-da. Yes. An unforeseen consequence. I'm just going to add more milk. You're not going to make like pistachio muffins or something? Oh, I could once I at least get some of the flavoring out of here. Cause I- so you'll still use those pistachios, add more milk, and then use the milk for Fleur de Lay, and then use the pistachios still for something else. Correct. Cool. Yeah. I was trying to repurpose my soaking nuts for additional purposes after. If <laughs> I had a nickel. <laughs> for every time somebody said soaking nuts. Repurposing my soaking nuts. Soaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are for our final thoughts on fleur de lay and as well as fleur de lay pistachio version that I did. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to hear about the pistachio. I, I'd be more excited to share about it if it was a real success. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I don't feel like it was my most successful uh, ice cream of all time, unfortunately, or fleur de lay style ice cream of all time. Because the oil from the nuts kind of added another dimension of fattiness to it. And so I pro- what I should do in the future is cut back on some of the heavy cream and use more milk and slightly less heavy cream, counteract that fattiness. Flavor was good, just uh, didn't go exactly according to plan. Too much fat. <laughs> and that's not something you hear me say very often, but unfortunately, that was the case. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that, yeah. <laughs> Apparently ice cream is where I'm picky about my fat. That's the only place. <laughs> How did your regular floor delay come out? Brilliant. It was perfect. <laughs> Lovely. You've, you've nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done floor delay enough times now that uh, I've got the, the plain stuff down. It's just trying to make it more complicated. Should not do that. <laughs> Shouldn't do it. <laughs> what would we be without... A Gretchen experiment. Nowhere. I don't think this podcast would exist. <laughs> it's That's totally true. <laughs> <laughs> How did your Fleur de Lay fare? Fleur de Lay fare. Not so great. It was a little too fatty for me. And I think I had, I don't know if I left it in, but I'd mentioned at one point that there were little clumps of mm. cream and I never took those out or sort of got them to a point of dissolving enough that they disappeared. So I had a hard time with it. There were just a few pieces that just felt like really just too fatty, too fatty. fatty. So I didn't eat too, too much of it. James finished it, of course, and (laughs) loved it. So like, I think it was just me, but I want to do it again. I keep saying I'm going to do it again since that day when it wasn't good, but I haven't made it yet. (laughs) hard it's hard to do things (laughs) it is hard to do things and I want to I want to be able to do this thing because I love the cornstarch piece of it I love like we say 
throughout that it's so easy without egg, without anything that you have to worry about beyond just kind of like heating it up and letting it cool yeah. and then letting your mixer do the rest and finally remembering. <laughs> yes. Well, practice makes perfect. So I guess you're going to have to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So another success, I think. Learned a lot, of course. Came out. I ate it. It was delicious still. It was still better than, you know, any, like a lot of things I've had recently. So <laughs> it was worth it. I'll make sure to, that uh, on our tips and tricks uh, bullet points in the blog post, I'll make sure to say, if there's clumps of fat in your uh, <laughs> your milk, might want to remove those. <laughs> With ice cream, there is such a thing as too much fat. I think so. I think we figured it. We found it. We discovered it. Even though I'm tempted to make that butter thing, the egg yolk, so many egg yolks with cream, beurre de glace oh. or whatever it was. <laughs> the one that we, you said would just kind of stand up on its own. It was yeah. so egg yolky. Yeah. <laughs> like frozen flan oh my gosh oh that makes me kind of gag <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry I forgot about your egg oh thing. no you're fine that's fine <laughs> anyway you'll be able to find the recipe we used uh, on highgluttony.com along with our tips and tricks as well as any other pertinent information we feel necessary you can follow us on instagram Facebook and be sure to tell someone about us. We're growing. We're excited to see listeners all over the place. Thank you for joining us. Oh, wait, what do we say to get out? <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> Off we go, Glutton. <laughs> oh, my coconut shells. <laughs> that, that works. <laughs> yeah.